is the main event. What you gonna do? If you're so mad, best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Woo! Yeah! Ooh, yeah. I am the game. Costoco said so. Oh my god! What I'd like to have right now. Rest in peace, Waterrush. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Are you ready? Everyone has a price. Yeah, I come here to fight. Sandy innovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Introducing your old school pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell. best you can be the king calm banging on your chest you can beat the world you can beat the war you can talk the guy go banging on his door you can throw your hands up you can beat the clock you can move a mountain you can break rocks you can be a master don't wait for luck dedicate yourself and you go find yourself Welcome back, old school fans. Becker Mania continues to run wild here on the SNS Radio Network. Welcome back to your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell, as we are live on site in New Orleans, Louisiana, presenting you live coverage of WrestleMania weekend. Like I mentioned, Becker Mania is running wild, as this morning we released the untold stories of WrestleMania. We went into the Beyond the Bell vault and presented a two-part series into one jam-packed edition from two years ago as we relived the 30 years of WrestleMania and the stories you may not have even heard of. It's archived now at snsradionetwork.com and ringannouncing.com. But tonight we are live presenting you the 2014 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. I am so excited to witness these great legends, historic superstars, be inducted into the Hallow Hall of the WWE Hall of Fame. But first, we present to you here on Beyond the Bell the careers of Carlos Colon, Lita, and the Ultimate Warrior. This year, our Hall of Fame series will be broken up into three parts, and I thought it would be fitting to record some of this series live during WrestleMania weekend. So I recorded this part one before we arrived in New Orleans, but parts two and three will, will be recorded live on site at WrestleMania weekend. I thought it would be cool to give my feedback from the Hall of Fame ceremony, as well as cover the careers of these great legends. And when we return... We'll kick off our coverage of the 2014 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And I want to take a moment to let you guys know that personally, I appreciate 
the support that we've had here on the SNS Radio Network over the years. And I'm here to tell you about a new way that you can help us out and show your support for the SNS Radio Network. We now have a way for you to uh, donate to the SNS Radio Network. If you go to the snsradionetwork.com main page, scroll down, there is now a donate button on the page. Now, I'm not saying you have to donate to us, but your donation is very appreciated as we do a lot of hard work on the SNS Radio Network. It's been a lot of our time and our own money to make sure that you guys have uh, entertaining podcasts and live shows on the SNS Radio Network. So to those who have donated so far, on behalf of the SNS Radio Network, we appreciate you and your continued support. And for those that will donate in the future, again, we thank you for your support of the SNS Radio Network. www.snsradionetwork.com, providing you with free podcasts since 2010. Known for its vibrant culture, stunning beauty, and rich history, Puerto Rico is also home to some of the most passionate fans in all of sports entertainment. And for over 40 years, one legendary performer has captured their hearts and imaginations like no other. From Puerto Rico, Carlos Colon! Carlos Colon began his wrestling career in 1967, plying his trade throughout the United States before settling on his native island of Puerto Rico. It wasn't long before Colon revolutionized the sports entertainment landscape by founding the World Wrestling Council, Puerto Rico's premier wrestling promotion. Carlos Colon is one of the great entrepreneurs in wrestling. And without a doubt, Carlos Colon was a cultural icon in Puerto Rico. Colon captured the coveted WWC Universal Heavyweight Championship a staggering 26 times, forging his legacy through classic battles and title defenses against the likes of Ric Flair, Abdullah the Butcher, and Macho Man Randy Savage. Cologne is credited as the father of Puerto Rican wrestling, blazing a trail for countless up-and-coming athletes, including his own sons, with whom the Cologne family legacy has been cemented as one of the most prolific in history. This place has erupted! Carlos Cologne, one of the wrestling classics in the World Wrestling Council history. Whether it be his rabid fan base, business savvy, or family values, Carlos Colon is certainly the crown jewel of the Caribbean, and it is with great honor that we welcome him into the WWE Hall of Fame, Class of 2014.
Carlos Edwin Colon Sr. was born on July 18, 1948 in Santa Isabel, Puerto Rico, known as the King of the Caribbean. He is a true wrestling legend. In the history of professional wrestling, there have been many families. Calgary had the Hearts. Texas had the Funks and the Von Erics. Minnesota was the home of the Ganyas. And when it comes to Puerto Rico, the island nation belongs to one family, the Colones. The patriarch, Carlos Colon, being one of seven children, he immigrated to Brooklyn, New York, my hometown, in 1961, along with the rest of his family. Given his admiration for wrestlers Antonino Rocca and Miguel Perez, he became a member at the gym they trained at practicing wrestling moves and cleaning the, cleaning the place occasionally to pay for his dues. His dedication and affability helped him gain the respect of his peers as well as the occasional wrestling match. Carlos is considered self-trained, though he does not give credit to many of the men that he learned from. His first bout occurred in the Boston Gardens in Boston, Massachusetts on February 16th 1966. This is when he wrestled Bobo Brazil. He was paid just $15 for his participation in his very first match. Some say it was a steal that he got paid even at all. He eventually became a fixture on the East Coast Territorial Circuit and in Canada over the following three years, with Montreal as his place of residence. Sources stating that he felt homesick and noticed a void in Puerto Rican wrestling as the professional wrestling scene there was quite bare, some would say. Cologne returned to Puerto Rico in 1973. Cologne and Croatian-born superstar Victor Jovica founded a promotional company, Capital Sports Promotions, which aired wrestling television shows each Saturday and Sunday on WAPA-TV. He wrestled during a time where local stars such as Barabas, Black Georgie, and Perez shared the spotlight with international wrestlers such as Argentine-born Raka, Cuban-born Huracan Castillo, and others. He set the stage for local stars such as Los Supermiticos, Los Invaders, and Chicky Star to develop even further. His company was also responsible for inviting major American wrestling stars such as Randy Savage, Ric Flair, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, and others to wrestle in Puerto Rico. The nemesis of the Cologne's character was none other than fellow Hall of Famer Abdullah the Butcher, with whom he staged a long-standing feud which lasted almost two decades. Cologne was quoted as saying 80% of the blood he shed in the ring was because of Abdullah. There is no doubt that the hottest feud in the history of Puerto Rican wrestling was the feud between Carlos Cologne and Abdullah the Butcher. El público se enardece, lo que significa que está entrando el próximo encuentro. Mira, tenemos de árbitro, parece que en el próximo encuentro a Víctor Víctor Quiñones y aquí está. El acróbata de Puerto Rico, Carlitos Colón. El público de Puerto Rico está contigo. Estamos aquí en el estadio. Tu público te quiere. El Coliseo, la pantalla gigantesca, viendo también este encuentro. Y estamos listos en breves segundos. El Consejo Mundial de Lucha, el Comisionado de Lucha Libre. 
y el árbitro decidieron que el monstruo no podía continuar el encuentro. La decisión es el triunfo de Carlitos Colón por rendición de Abdullah. Muy importante, Carlitos se levantado en hombros. Vamos a pedir un fuerte aplauso para la clavata de Puerto Rico. Ahí está, la victoria para Carlitos Colón. El público se lo lleva en hombros. This feud was very wild and bloody during the late 70s, the whole 80s and early 90s, so it covered three decades. Even to this very day, there's tension between the two. How did it begin? Both wrestlers began this feud in Canada in the early 70s when Carlos worked for Stu Hart for Stampede Wrestling under the name Carlos Belafonte. It was believed at the time that Belafonte was his real last name until he married his wife where the last name Cologne was revealed. In Canada, Abdullah debuted in Puerto Rico in 1978 and was basically an instant hit. Carlos was the top babyface of the promotion, then named Capital Sports Promotions, and was attacked by a wild Abdullah the Butcher. At the time, Carlos was the Puerto Rican champion, and quickly a feud for the title began. They traded this title several times. The first one was on November 18, 1978, when Abdullah defeated Carlos, who was wearing this title for the second time, and his title reign was ended eight months later. During his reign, he was a monster heel. Abdullah regained this title for a second time from Carlos on December 15, 1979. Carlos then won the title back a month later. Abdullah defeated Carlos for the last and third time for the title in July of 81, and Cologne regained it back in September 26th to be exact of 81. A lot of flip-flopping back and forth between Carlos and Abdullah. During this war, Abdullah and Carlos faced each other in some classic battles. One included a match for the title on the 26th, like I mentioned, that Carlos won, in which Carlos injured Abdullah, Abdullah's knee in a, wild, in a wild, wild brawl. This match was a classic since it was a barbed wire match. It should be noted that most of Carlos's scars have come from Abdullah and his fork attack, his infamous fork. Fitting that Abdullah owns a restaurant now, huh? On June of 1982, Carlos wrestled once again against Abdullah in a match with a stipulation in which the loser leaves Puerto Rico in another barbed wire match. Abdullah lost and a month later reappeared, this time billed as the WWC World Champion and lost the title to Carlos in July 24th of that year, just a month later. Flash forward 20 years later, they ignited their feud again as if they never stopped with a match at the WWC 30th anniversary show before ECW was touting their barbed wire matches. Abdullah the Butcher and Carlos Colon were setting the precedent for hardcore wrestling. Much like Varangana had done in the Minneapolis-based AWA, Carlos set himself as the top star in his own company. He would hold the WWC Universal title on 26 different occasions. The best comparison as far as a mainland American star would be Jerry the King Lawler in Memphis, Tennessee. Let's compare. Both were the top babyface star for decades and became huge celebrities and cultural figures and icons in their territory. Both ended up as partners in their home promotions. Both the World Wrestling Council in Puerto Rico 
and the Memphis promotion, under various names, did incredible TV ratings, even by the impressive standards of local wrestling shows. Both were best known as bloody brawlers who dispatched a who's who of stars. Very comparable, Jerry Lawler, current Hall of Famer, and our new inductee, Carlos Colon. On January 6th of 1983, he defeated NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nature Boy Ric Flair in a unification match to win the title and also create the WWC Universal Heavyweight title. But the match never made it to NWA television. He lost the title back to Flair on January 23rd of 1983. Just weeks later, the title change is not considered official and the NWA does not consider Cologne a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He was not recognized as a title holder. Cologne would also make several appearances in the WWF, WWF, and WWE. His most memorable appearance was a part of the 1993 Royal Rumble. As Gorilla Monsoon stated, this young up-and-comer, Carlos Cologne, as he was in his mid-50s at that point. During his career, Carlos held every possible championship in the World Wrestling Council, most of them multiple times. After retirement, Carlos has remained active backstage at WWC and has helped train future superstars. He is currently very active in the wrestling industry to this very day. Puerto Rican professional wrestler and wrestling promoter is the father of wrestlers Carly Colon, known professionally as Carlito, Eddie Colon, known as Primo, and is also the uncle of wrestler Orlando Colon. When looking back at his awards and accomplishments, he has set the standard at becoming a territorial icon, a former NWA Calgary International Tag Team Champion with Gino Caruso. And then for the World Wrestling Council, the World Junior Heavyweight Champion, two-time World Heavyweight Champion, 26-time Universal Heavyweight Champion, eight-time North American Heavyweight Champion, four-time World Television Champion, nine-time Puerto Rico Heavyweight Champion, two-time Hardcore Champion, three-time World Tag Team Champion with Jose Rivera, who I was good friends with when I was little, Pedro Morales, and Invader, and then an 11-time North American Tag Team Champion, most notably, like I mentioned, 26 times Universal Heavyweight Champion. What a stat. And then, of course, we need to mention the fact that he was an unofficial title holder of the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Carlos Colon has toured the world several times over. He has helped bring dozens of wrestlers from being good wrestlers to being legends. A brilliant businessman and charismatic entertainer who took a sport that he loved and turned it into one of the most profitable entities in the wrestling world. For all his various abilities, inside and outside the ring, Carlos Colon has definitely earned his place as an honor member of this year's WWE Hall of Fame. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Are you feeling down in the dumps because you live outside the United States and maybe you can't get the WWE Network? 
Maybe you'd like to watch Netflix from the American region. But since you're in another country, it doesn't work for you? Well, I've got the solution for you. The SNS Radio Network is recently affiliated with UnblockUs.com. If you go to the SNS Radio Network page and click the UnblockUs.com banner ad, you can sign up to get a VPN. Not sure what a VPN is? Well, it basically protects your identity online. Basically, it gives you an address online where the content you want becomes available. Here's how it works. When you click the link on the SNS Radio Network banner, it takes you to UnblockUs.com. And from that link, you can sign up for a free one-week trial. You decide to sign up afterward, it's only $4.99 a month. And when you think about it, that's great savings. $4.99 a month allows you to watch American Netflix or any region of Netflix that you'd like to watch. And here's the biggie, folks. If you don't have the WWE Network, you live in the UK, you live in another country outside the United States, unblockus.com can set you up for $4.99 a month with a VPN that will allow you to have access to the WWE Network and all regions of Netflix. And you can watch it on your PS3, your Xbox 360, any device you have, you're able to use with unblockus.com. And the best part about it is, I'm not just talking about this, I'm using this service myself. So once again, go to the SNS Radio Network, click on the Unblock Us banner, and from there, sign up. And if you do that, you help to support the SNS Radio Network as they give a kickback to us to help keep all the shows on the SNS Radio Network for free. Once again, unblockus.com, giving you freedom online. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. She wasn't your quintessential diva. She just did things that the other divas didn't do. She just came in there, she kicked butt, she looked beautiful, and she had her own style. so unique and she was herself. She was a badass. Look at Lita go! Oh, Lita brought a dimension that you've never seen out of a female competitor. She did things in the ring that no diva had ever done before. that what you always thought a diva was, it was something different. She wasn't a girl. Lita was a chick. She was a hot chick. She was a cool chick. She was that girl that you didn't want to bring home to mom, but you wanted to date. Lita just broke the barriers and stepped outside the box and kicked through the door and never looked back.
the year 2000 saw women's wrestling receive a shot of adrenaline in the form of a fairy redhead who would use her high-flying style to forever change what a WWE diva could be. Lita would become one of the most popular and influential female performers in company history and was featured arguably in some of the best women's matches in professional wrestling history. Amy Christine Dumas was born on April 14, 1975 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Amy first became interested in wrestling after watching Rey Mysterio Jr. wrestle on WCW Monday Nitro. This compelled her to travel to Mexico in 1998 to learn more about the sport and how to wrestle. Dumas financed her training by dancing in a club under the name Misty. During her stay in Mexico, Dumas trained under numerous wrestlers, including Kevin Quinn, Miguel Perez, and Ricky Santana. Following the completion of her training, Dumas made several appearances with the Empresa Mexicana de Lucha Libre organization. After returning to the United States, Dumas began working as a valet on the independent circuit. She worked in Maryland Championship Wrestling under the rename Angelica, and at one point she managed Christopher Daniels. She also made appearances in NWA Mid-Atlantic, where she first met Matt and Jeff Hardy, who offered to train with her. Then in the spring of 1999, she was approached by Paul Heyman and Extreme Championship Wrestling. She debuted in ECW as Miss Congeniality, the on-screen girlfriend of Denny Doring. Dumas later began using the name Angelica once again and made her pay-per-view debut on July 18th at Heatwave, where Doring, as part of their storyline, proposed to her. She was introduced to veteran wrestler Dory Funk Jr. by ECW wrestler Rob Van Dam, and Funk invited her to attend his wrestling school, the Funkin' Conservatory. Dumas attended Funk's school alongside 23 men, graduated from the school in August of 99, and then returned back to ECW. Meanwhile, Funk and his wife compiled video footage of Dumas and sent it to the World Wrestling Federation. The WWF was sufficiently impressed, of course, and on November 1st of that year, Dumas was signed to a WWF developmental deal, and after five months with ECW, she made her final appearance on October 23rd of 99. After honing her skills at the Memphis Championship Wrestling Developmental Territory, Amy was given the rename Lita and was paired with Luchador Ese Rios. I witnessed this live in person. Just like it did Trish Stratus, I sat back and watched the WWF debut of Lita and Rios on the February 13th, 2000 episode of Sunday Night Heat. Rios was booked to win the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship from Gilbert. Lita mimicked Rios' moves, notably the Moonsault and Hurricanrana, and immediately after he had performed them on an opponent, she initiated her assault. Most recently, I heard on an interview from Lita as she was, of course, doing the rounds promoting the Hall of Fame, she noted that she didn't even know her name was going to be Lita until she watched her performance on Heat after it was recorded. She didn't even know what her name was when she debuted initially. And then she heard rumors of Lita and she thought they were untrue until she confirmed as such on Sunday Night Heat itself. 
in May of 2000, a storyline was developed in which Lita found Rios consorting, you could say, with the Godfather and his hoes, causing tension between them. Rios eventually turned on Lita by powerbombing her after she inadvertently cost him a match. As part of the storyline, Lita was saved from a beating at the hands of Rios by the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff. And the trio formed a stable known as Team Extreme. As a member of Team Extreme, Lita developed a more alternative image, wearing baggy pants with a thong sticking out which was really hiked up above her pants clearly exposed very different from the tight red outfit she debuted with rios during her time with team extreme lita became the only female to ever be physically involved in a tables ladders and chairs match in the wwe at that point in June of 2000, Team Extreme began a storyline with TNA, Test and Albert, with Lita engaging in a rivalry with their manager, the legendary Hall of Fame, Trish Stratus. The rivalry developed into an on-again, on you could say off-again, long-term feud between the two women that lasted until Stratus retired in 2006. Lita began feuding with WWF Women's Champion Stephanie McMahon Helmsley at that point. And in the main event of the August 21st, 2000 episode of Raw is War, Lita defeated Stephanie with a moonsault to win the women's championship for the first time. This was monumental for two reasons, her first women's title victory and second being featured in the main event of Monday Night Raw. In the course of her reign, Lita became embroiled in the storyline feud between the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian. Later in the year, she was involved in an often forgotten love angle with Dean Malenko in which on one occasion she challenged him for the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. In early 2001, she defeated him in a singles bout on Raw with the help of Matt Hardy. Following the match, a legendary scene took place as Hardy kissed Lita, beginning their on-screen relationship and turning their real-life romance into a storyline. In July of 2001, Lita and Trish Stratus joined forces to combat Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson, members of the Alliance, a part of the WCW-ECW Invasion storyline. Later in the year, Team Extreme split as Matt turned on her and Jeff, ending their personal relationship in storyline as well. Lita made her in-ring WrestleMania debut at WrestleMania 18 on March 17th as she faced Stratus and WWF Women's Champion Jazz in a match in which Jazz retained her title by pinning Lita. On April 6th of that year, Dumas suffered a broken neck while filming a fight scene for a role in the season finale of the television program Dark Angel. This resulted in a C5 and C6 fusion surgery. She returned to the ring after an absence of almost 17 months on September 15th on an episode of Monday Night Raw, saving Trish Stratus from a beating at the hands of Molly Holly and Gail Kim. This was a big turning point in her career. In 2004, Lita was reunited with Matt Hardy when Hardy attacked Kane in an attempt to prevent him from harming Lita, beginning a new storyline involving the trio. In the following weeks, Kane began repeatedly assaulting Hardy and attempting to seduce Lita. Then, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, Lita revealed that she was pregnant. One week later, it appeared that Hardy was going to propose to Lita, but he was interrupted by Kane, who claimed to be the father of Lita's child. All this culminated in a Till Death Do Us Part match on August 15th at SummerSlam. The stipulation was that Lita would be obliged to marry Kane 
should Hardy lose? Only in professional wrestling, folks. Kane won the match, of course, leading to he and a reluctant Lita marrying one another on August 23rd of 2004 on Raw. We are back here live, ladies and gentlemen, here on Monday Night Raw. What has to be the most bizarre wedding ceremony? Oh, it is bizarre. Jerry, look at this beautiful ensemble that they've got here. I don't know who's paying for this, if it's the parents of the bride, but they've spared no expense. This is beautiful. Everything's white, but it's still, in my view, the wedding from hell. Good evening, and welcome to the wedding of Cain and Lita. Tonight is a very special night as we unite these two in holy matrimony. Lita, I'm happy to say that you're more than just the woman carrying my child. You are now my property. You are mine to do with as I see fit. You will never know freedom. You will never again feel the embrace of another man. For there is no escape, Lita. From this day forward, until the day you die. You are mine. Uh, I, uh, Lita, would you like to proceed? Kane, I hate you worse than, I hate you, Kane more than life itself. You are a vile, horrible man with no soul. And even though I have no choice but to marry you, I want to make it clear that I love, and I will always love, Matt Hardy. I sincerely hope you rot in hell. That was lovely. <laughs> Perhaps we should proceed to the end of the ceremony. Cain, Lita, it is now time to join you in matrimony. If there is anyone here who feels that these two should not be joined in holy matrimony at this time. Please speak now or forever hold your peace. Lita, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do you part? I do. And do you, Cain, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, rich in riches, in poorness, in sickness, and in health, as long as you both shall live.
Ping! Then, on September 13th, Lita miscarried after Gene Snitsky struck Kane with a chair, resulting in him falling on top of Lita. This miscarriage led to Lita and Kane joining forces in order to take revenge on Snitsky. With the pregnancy storyline finally over, Lita returned to the women's division in November of 2004. She began a feud with the evil Trish Stratus now that led to history in the making. On December 6th, in the main event of Monday Night Raw, her second main event ever, Lita defeated Stratus to win her second women's championship. events, two women's championships. During the course of the match, Lita botched a suicide dive to the outside when she over-rotated by a fraction, barely escaping serious injury. Devastating maneuver. The relationship between Lita and Kane lasted throughout the first half of 2005. Then on Raw, Lita turned into a hated villain by betraying Kane as she helped Edge defeat him in the finals of the Raw Gold Rush tournament. She filed for divorce and then attempted to marry Edge, but the ceremony was interrupted by, of course, a vengeful Kane who emerged from beneath the ring in an infamous Raw segment. The storyline with Kane ended shortly thereafter. At this time, off-screen, Amy had been involved with Matt Hardy romantically, but began a relationship with Edge. WWE then began to use the real-life issues between the three as an on-screen storyline. In April, Hardy was released from the WWE, only to be rehired several months later, as Lita continued to act as Edge's valet, and Edge defeated Hardy at SummerSlam to culminate their feud. Then, in celebration of Edge's WWE Championship victory over John Cena at New Year's Revolution, he and Lita participated in a live sex celebration segment that earned Raw a 5.2 rating, its highest ratings in over a year, and to this day, one of the highest ratings Raw has seen in over a decade. On August 14, 2006, 
Lita defeated Mickie James to win her third women's championship. Lita and Edge then feuded with Trish Stratus and Carlito, culminating in a bout between Lita and Stratus at Unforgiven, in which Lita dropped the women's championship to Stratus in what was Trish's last WWE match or full-time match as she officially retired. As part of her last push, she defeated Mickie James at Cyber Sunday to capture the vacant title and begin her fourth reign as women's champion. Then, on November 20th on Raw, she announced that she would be retiring from the WWE after her match with James at the Survivor Series. Lita's awards and accomplishments in professional wrestling set herself apart from all other superstars and divas as she was so unique and accomplished so much coming from so little. She was a four-time WWF Women's Champion. Pro Wrestling Illustrator gave her the 2005 Feud of the Year versus Matt Hardy. And most notably, she was named 2001 Woman of the Year. After her wrestling career concluded, she headed up the punk rock band called Luchagores. Lita will forever be remembered as the diva who was responsible for the rebirth of the women's wrestling division in the United States. Lita's flashy, high-flying offense captivated audiences and made her as popular as many of her male counterparts. The impact she had on programming and her unrivaled popularity among the divas was largely responsible for the introduction of other talented women's wrestlers and the attention given to the Divas division for the first half of the decade. Amy Dumas' place in the WWE Hall of Fame is well deserved as she set the standard. Her and Trish Stratus together set the standard for women's wrestling in the modern day era of professional wrestling. fan of wrestling shoot dvds wrestling action figures wrestling memorabilia well i'm pleased to announce that the sns radio network is now officially an affiliate of highspots.com so when you go to the sns radio network site click on the high spots banner on the main page and it takes you directly to high spots now i'm not saying you need to buy something from highspots.com but if you do you're helping to support the SNS Radio Network by going through High Spots on the link on the SNS Radio Network page. And every purchase gives a kickback to the SNS Radio Network, helping us keep all the programming here free for you. Wait for the next spaceship, the higher plane, 
and the lightning bolt sends up from the sky. Look out, the big splash, one, two, and up! We have a new World Wrestling Federation Champion, the Ultimate Warrior. To feel the power of the world is to be no James Brian Helwig on June 16th, 1957. The face painted muscle man who ran to the ring and spoke to his hands and the heavens about things we mortals cannot understand will never be forgotten by those who saw him. His power and intensity made him the most popular superstar in the world at one point in professional wrestling history. Warrior started weight training when he was 11 years old and has described himself as the small, insecure kid who wasn't into any sports. He moved to California, where after seeing bodybuilder Robbie Robinson decided to take up the sport the peak of his bodybuilding career came in 1984 when he won the Mr. Georgia title. In 1985, after spending six weeks in California training for a bodybuilding contest, he was invited to join a group of bodybuilders, one of which was Steve Flash Borden, who were attempting to make the transition into professional wrestlers and were trained by Red Bastine and Rick Bassman. Borden and Helwig teamed together, originally coined Power Team USA as Jim Justice Helwig. Later, they wrestled as the Freedom Fighters. Helwig was known as Justice and Borden was called Flash. Well, it takes a little time, Jim. I mean, you know, you just this doesn't happen overnight. Well, we understand we're a little green and new to the area and stuff like that, but when you, when you take into account what we look like, our physiques and the, the rock-hard muscle that we're carrying, you know, that, that should uh, add up to some of the disadvantages compared to, you know, the fat people, the, uh, the king of all the fast food restaurants, Jerry Lawler and uh, Phil Hickerson. Spends his days. He never goes to the gym. Never seen the inside of a gym. Yeah, but he's held a lot of titles now. Let me make that difference right there. That Hickerson and I have always agreed with him, but the son of a gun has been at it a long time, Jim. And you and Steve, I think, got to take that in. Uh, 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 I think they're probably in a hurry, Phil. And. They wrestled in Memphis Continental Wrestling Association under manager Dutch Mantel. Helwig and Borden, who would later go on to success as Sting, as we all know, formed a tag team known as the Blade Runners, with Helwig changing his ring name to Blade Runner Rock and Borden changing his to Blade Runner Flash. Get a little 
background on you. Uh, Jim, I know you're from Atlanta, Georgia, right? That's right. Originally, I was out in California the last year and a half doing some wrestling out there. And how about uh, how about the record for the Freedom Fighters, uh, Steve? We've only lost two matches, but uh, neither one of those are really legitimate losses. We get hit over the head with chairs and tables and everything like that. You know, they got to do anything they can to beat us. <laughs> I well, can I see I that. I don't consider them legitimate, then. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's an awfully good record starting out for young fellas. I'm standing here. I have heard this, and I know I know the weight. Jim is 285, and Steve is 260. 22-inch uh, arms, I understand, Jim. Is there any way I can get you guys to take these jackets off? You're going to be in the ring here in a minute. How about peeling them off for us? I don't know. Uh, come on. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> Did I say big? That's what a 22-inch arm looks like. And here's a 20-inch arm over here. Good night, son of a gun. Hey, I tell you, there's no question. You got the you got the physique for it. Let me ask you this: the important thing, because I know they'll kill me if I don't find out about it. How about are you guys uh, married? Uh, have families or what? No, we're single. We're looking forward you're to both single. Yeah, yeah, we're single. Did you hear that, girls? They're both single here. I want to get that around. <laughs> girls out here in Nashville are kind of nice in the Mid-South, so we're looking forward to meeting them. You bet your life. we got some lovelies around here. You better believe it. We want to wish you guys uh, the very best of luck. Uh, I've been looking forward. I've heard a lot about you, and uh, we're interested in having. This is the tag team capital of the world. You're going to see some awfully tough guys. You'll see some more of those chairs and chains, too, uh, Steve. Well, we're ready for them this time. Okay. You ready to hit the ring? We're ready. Okay, let's get them up there. The Freedom Fighters. Davey, we're ready for the first time. After wrestling in the CWA, they went on to wrestle for Mid-South Wrestling, which became the Universal Wrestling Federation in 1986. They were part of Eddie Gilbert's Hot Stuff International Group before disbanding in 86 when Helwig left for a popular Texas-based promotion. Later on in 86, Warrior debuted in World Class Championship Wrestling and adopted the ring name The Dingo Warrior. This was after a member of the locker room remarked that he looked like a warrior. Warrior formed a tag team with Lance Von Erich as they won the WCWA World Tag Team Championship. Most notably, he won the WCWA Texas Heavyweight Championship as well. Then in 1987, he entered the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. The call came. He was signed by Vincent K. McMahon. This was where he was renamed the Ultimate Warrior. He made his television debut as the Ultimate Warrior on October 25th, 1987, on an edition of WWF Wrestling Challenge, where he defeated Terry Gibbs. This battle is scheduled for one fall. Introducing in the ring from Tampa, Florida, weighing 230 pounds, Terry Gibbs. And his opponent, weighing in at 271 pounds, the ultimate warrior. Ultimate Warrior making his debut here on Wrestling Challenge. Take a look at that body. Okay, the guy's put together. He certainly is. He's a whole lot bigger than Ravishing Rick, too. Look at that awesome physique. Puts Hercules in rude to shame. Dolph. Big splash. Gibbs is out of it. 
this guy impressive? The answer, yes. The winner of this bout, the ultimate warrior. Ultimate warrior victorious here in his debut on Wrestling Challenge. Something for you to be worried about, Brain. The Warrior was known for his high-energy ring entrances, which featured him racing into the arena at full speed, bursting into the ring, and violently shaking the ropes up and down. He was also known for his distinctive pattern of face paint. After several months of impressively defeating enhancement talent, he suffered his first pinfall loss to fellow WWF rookie and future rival Ravishing Rick Rude on December 28th of 87. Early on in 88, Warrior entered into his first real feud with Hercules Hernandez, which led to a match at WrestleMania 4. This was where Warrior was victorious in his pay-per-view debut. Less than a year after his WWF television debut, Warrior won the prestigious Intercontinental Championship, defeating the Honky Tonk Man in just 27 seconds at the first ever SummerSlam on August 29th at the Meadowlands Arena. I was live in attendance. The crowd went absolutely crazy when you heard the Ultimate Warriors music blast through those speakers. Goosebumps on arms. A goosebump moment. You had a feeling that this guy was it. He was potentially the new, the hottest thing, the next big thing, so to speak, in professional wrestling. Notice the Barber Beefcake, because of injury, unable to challenge the Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Talk Man tonight. Being the humanitarian that I am, I'd say World Wrestling Federation, give me anybody. Let me have somebody to wrestle. Big smile on the face of the Honky Talk Man. You know, he may be one of the greatest Intercontinental Champions. Guy's had that title over two years now, Gorilla Monsoon. Get me somebody out here to wrestle. I don't care who it is. He received a Hogan-esque pop that night when he defeated the Honky Tonk Man after the self-proclaimed greatest intercontinental champion of all time made the challenge. You knew something monumental and groundbreaking was happening and the Warrior was just that. As 1989 began, Warrior entered it into a feud with Ravishing Recruit over the intercontinental title. This stemmed from the infamous super pose down at the Royal Rumble between the two. At SummerSlam, he defeated Rude to regain the Intercontinental title and become a two-time champion. Warrior was firmly establishing himself as a main event level talent when he began a feud with the late great Andre the Giant. This led into a number of matches on house shows where Warrior pinned the first ever WWE Hall of Famer in a matter of seconds. This was huge back in that day for Andre to do those honors. His popularity skyrocketed in the WWF and was headed towards becoming the biggest star of the 90s. He was seen as the successor to Hulk Hogan. 
following a few confrontations with Hogan, most notably at the 1990 edition of the Royal Rumble, the Warrior was written in as Hogan's opponent in the main event for WrestleMania 6 at the Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Witness the official signing of the main event for WrestleMania 6 to be held at Sky Dome in Toronto, Canada next Sunday. This is the first in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. It will be title for title. However, you gentlemen and your attorneys have both gone over the contracts extensively. And uh, Mr. Hogan, you prepared to sign at this time? Yeah, I'll sign, Mr. President. You know, Ultimate Warrior, you don't realize what this means to me and all my Hulkamaniacs. That dark cloud, the darkness that you live in, once you sign this is where you're going to remain because the positive light of the training, the prayers, and the vitamins will prove at WrestleMania 6 that Hulkamania is still the strongest force in the universe. Step into the darkness once again. Warrior? Hulk Hogan. What lies before us? in the heavyweight championship of the world and the intercontinental championship of the world are nothing but normal representations of why there are followers and why there are leaders such as us. But you, Hulk Hogan, know as well as I do that they are only receptors for the powers that we have. Look into my eyes, Hulk Hogan! You see nothingness. You see no reasons for questions. You see no answers. For there is no reasoning in the thinking of the ultimate warrior. At WrestleMania 6, Hulk Hogan, I will take the powers of those that question. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear as I take two and become one. Sign. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. The match was billed as the ultimate challenge as both Hogan's WWF Championship and Warrior's Intercontinental Championship were on the line. Warrior in a great main event matchup pinned Hogan after a Warrior Splash to become the first and only wrestler to hold the WWF Intercontinental and World Championships simultaneously at that point. Just minutes, few seconds before Hogan could kick out. 
Hunkster came down on that hip and had to stun his whole body. Hunkster now leaving the ring. Trying to get some circulation back in that body. And the warrior is static, obviously. Hulk with his belt now. Oh, look at this. Hulk presented the belt and raised the hand of the warrior. The monster has just taken one giant step towards immortality. After losing the championship to Sergeant Slaughter at the Royal Rumble in 91, Warrior will go on to feud with Macho Man Randy Savage as he cost him the championship. Warrior's popularity skyrocketed once again even further, appearing on Regis and Kathy Lee and other talk shows, becoming the supposed new face of the WWF. Every direction, Macho King. Search all parts, all corners of your normal universe. Look above, but you will never see my gods. Look there, look over there, look down, for you shall see the skeletons of warriors that have already fallen. But you will not, Macho King, find what you are looking for. For at Royal Rumble, you came to take something away, but you left something much more valuable behind. Lodged in my skull, Macho King, was a piece of the crystal of your kingdom, your madness. That piece of crystal that you're searching for, that one last piece. They said, but warrior, it's lodged inside your skull. I said, sew it in. Leave it where it lays. If the man wants it, if the Macho King wants it, let him take it at WrestleMania 7. For within that one piece of crystal, Macho King, that you are so desperately seeking and searching for, lies all your past, lies your future, and lies today. I see you lie, Macho King. I see you lie at WrestleMania 7 before me as I stand. Not lay on top of you, but stand above you as I end your career. Their rivalry culminated in a career-ending match at WrestleMania 7 with the Warrior Victorious, forcing Savage to retire in another WrestleMania classic. Let's take a step back here and give my experiences witnessing the Warrior on WWF television during WrestleMania. WrestleMania 6. At one point, he had me in tears as I was a Hulkamaniac. I had my running yellow shirt on, of course, my bandana with my foam championship belt, and I witnessed the Warrior defeating Hogan to become the new WWF champion. And my dad at the time, I'm not sure if I told this story before, actually took my foam championship away. You know, just kidding, of course, saying that my man lost the title, therefore I lost the title. And I just remember being in tears, not just because the belt was taken away from me, but that my man lost to the warrior. Even though I liked him, there was some part of me, and a lot of fans can relate, I think. I think Edge is one of them that really had a bad taste in their mouths for the Warrior for doing that to their hero, their fallen hero, Hulk Hogan. Then you turn the tables to WrestleMania 7 and the historic battle between him and Macho Man Randy Savage. Another great matchup. 
a great story being told as Macho Man elbow drop after elbow drop after elbow drop could not put down the warrior finally losing and sensational Queen Sherry kicking Macho Man and then Miss Elizabeth running from the crowd to save her man tears in their eyes what a great 180 from being disappointed to a great emotional turn the following year both involving the ultimate warrior two great back-to-back wrestlemania matches the next chapter of warrior's career was an encounter with the undertaker that saw him being locked in a coffin on the set of Paul Bearer's funeral parlor. This led to Jake the Snake Roberts offering to give Warrior the knowledge of the dark side in order to prepare Warrior to take his revenge on The Undertaker. Roberts turned his back on Warrior via a Cobra strike and was aligned with The Undertaker after several vignettes. The stage was now set for a feud between Warrior and Roberts. The ultimate challenge from Warrior's past to a new challenge from a snake that you cannot trust. The feud never took place, though, as Warrior was involved in an alleged pay dispute with WWF owner Vince McMahon over the SummerSlam main event that year. This was where Warrior was teamed with Hulk Hogan in a handicap match against Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, and General Adnan. Another match I witnessed in person, but you sensed during that match something was off. And it was the backstage issues with Ultimate Warrior and McMahon. Following SummerSlam, Warrior was suspended and left the company shortly after. At the end of WrestleMania 8, however, the Warrior returned to everyone's surprise to rescue Hulk Hogan from a beatdown at the hands of Sid Justice and Papa Shango. This was when a lot of rumors ran rampant of a second Ultimate Warrior, as he looked significantly different at this point of his career. He was involved in a feud with Papa Jango as a result of this encounter, where he had a voodoo spell cast on him that forced him to vomit and have a certain type of ooze come down his face. This was mentioned on the most recent edition on the WWE Network of WWE Countdown of the Biggest Blunders. Warrior left once again by the end of that year. During his time away from the Federation, Warrior opened the short-lived Warrior University, a professional wrestling school based in Scottsdale, Arizona. In March of 1995, WCW introduced the Renegade as Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage's ultimate weapon. This was a superstar that was rumored to be the ultimate warrior coming to WCW. These rumors also ran rampant of the warrior potentially signing with WCW, joining the competition, but then things fell through at the last minute, so to speak. All rumors. They wound up using a superstar named Renegade, an imposter, using ring attire and mannerisms that closely resembled the Warriors, a very cheap imitation. Then, after three and a half years spent mostly outside the wrestling limelight, Warrior returned to the WWF on March 31st in 1996, during the new generation era, where he squashed Hunter Hearst Helmsley at WrestleMania 12. After participating in brief feuds with Goldust and Jerry Lawler, he was gone once again within a year of returning. 
At this point, the WWF was in a heated battle during the Monday Night Wars with WCW. Then in 1998, WCW World Championship Wrestling had signed Warrior in 1998 in which he formed a stable opposing Hollywood Hulk Hogan's New World Order. He created the One Warrior Nation, OWN, the reverse of NWO. Recreate what is 
simply unrecreatable. I defeated what was until then undefeatable. I conquered what was then unconquerable. I dominated what was until then indomitable. On that day, you were great. I was ultimate. Highlights of the storyline included Magic Smoke covering Warrior's movement through a trap door in the ring where he would just appear. Warrior only participated in just four matches in WCW, though, one of which involved the WrestleMania 6 rematch against Hollywood Hogan at Halloween Havoc. This was what was considered by Eric Bischoff to be one of the worst main event pay-per-views. Eric Bischoff stated that he considered this to be one of the worst main event pay-per-view wrestling matches ever witnessed. In an attempt to blind Warrior with a fireball, it backfired when Hogan faced complications, igniting a piece of flash paper. This caused the fire to go up in Hogan's face instead. Warrior announced his retirement from professional wrestling the following year after losing the rematch to Hulk Hogan. Ten years later, in 2008, he finally made his much-anticipated return to professional wrestling when he defeated Orlando Jordan for the New Wave Entertainment Heavyweight Championship and immediately vacated the title. He was seen sporadically on YouTube in controversial videos making claims at certain superstars, including the immortal Hulk Hogan. Then, on July 15th in 2013, Warrior was featured in a WWE 2K14 game trailer and revealed he was one of the main superstars on the roster as a pre-order bonus. This will be the first time in almost 20 years that we saw the Ultimate Warrior featured on WWE television. What does one Mr. Perfect walk as or portray himself as? As he becomes so imperfect, he goes beyond perfect. Within the Intercontinental Belt, Mr. Perfect, there lies the powers and sacrifices of my warriors. Within the World Wrestling Federation Championship Belt lies the powers of my warriors, the sacrifices of my warriors. I need not walk into a battle for something I must carry or around my waist. I walk into this battle of perfectness to show you I have taken the powers that shall be that I control beyond perfect. And now I must walk and show you that what you believe to be so perfect does not exist in the world I walk in. No matter how you may critique his matches, no matter what you may think of the Warrior as an overall performer inside the ring, no one can deny the impact he made in professional wrestling. He surely got the entertainment part of the business. Who could forget his unbelievable and out-of-this-world promos? In the jungle, the king is the lion. Well, unquestionably, here in the World Wrestling Federation... The king of the jungle is the WWF title holder, the ultimate warrior. 
Now, while you're at SummerSlam, you will be... Vanishing Rick Rude! You asked me to take my powers, those that I command, into a 15-foot steel cage. A combat field! A jungle to you. But the circumstances that surround this 15-foot steel cage have no reason for the forces that I command my war. To contain my warriors, the power, the visions, the fuel that they give me. I cannot do. To confine them, to subject them to one purpose. One last challenge. in the World Wrestling Federation to walk as the World Wrestling Federation champion. I can't. I walked as the champion. I leave. The ultimate animal. Token, you are about to enter a world 
close to parts unknown. Oh, smell it, warriors. Do you, Hulk Hogan, look for a place to hide? Or do you, Hulk Hogan, face that challenge that may be more powerful than even you are, Hulk Hogan? You, Hulk Hogan, must self-destruct so that you will know, Hulk Hogan, who is the Chosen One. For Hulk Hogan, I am not the Chosen One that you speak Love him or hate him, he made an impact in this industry. Case in point, from the DVD that was made many years ago from the WWE, the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, where they basically laid out why this guy blew his career, to years later creating an ultimate collection of his matches, it truly signifies the love him or hate him mentality you had over one formerly known as Jim Helwig, now known as Warrior. The man changed his name from Jim Helwig to Warrior to get out of any copyright issues when promoting his brand. He believes in the concept of the Warrior, now being popularized by his public speaking engagements and his very, very controversial views. The Warrior still is making a mark in the entertainment industry to this very day. I think the highlight of his career came from the back-to-back WrestleMania 6 and 7, two great matches against Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. The Warriors' awards and accomplishments were pretty significant in professional wrestling, most notably becoming WWF champion, a two-time intercontinental champion, a world-class wrestling association Texas heavyweight champion, as well as World Tag Team Champion with Lance Von Erich, as we discussed. The New Wrestling Evolution World Heavyweight Championship for that brief time, and the World Wrestling Superstars Heavyweight Championship. Pro Wrestling Illustrated gave him the 1990 Match of the Year versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 6, the 1991 Feud of the Year versus The Undertaker, and the 1992 Comeback of the Year. Love him or hate him, The Ultimate Warrior was one of the biggest stars in professional wrestling. He transcended the business to where people that weren't even wrestling fans knew of the warrior. He may have been a quick face, but at one point he was the face of the World Wrestling Federation. No one will ever forget the ultimate warrior in professional wrestling. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey guys, JJ Sexay here. Are you looking for the latest news in both professional wrestling and mixed martial arts? Well, check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for one of the longest-running newsletters in professional wrestling over 16 years. And just like Wrestling News Live, it's absolutely free. Join over 27,000 other subscribers, wrestling-online.com. You will learn to pronounce my name properly.
Wrestling Dash Online dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the SNS Radio Network. I'm Sean Beckerman. Please welcome my guests at this time, accompanied by the lovely Miss Elizabeth, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Doing the thing here like nobody ever does before. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Macho Man. We're here tonight to discuss the podcast that's taking the internet wrestling community by storm beyond the bell on the SNS radio network. It covers all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. We cover the history of sports entertainment. Talking about history, talking about history. And a lot of people out there, you know, they're getting in the macho man just really super strong. Yeah. Each and every week, listen to brand new content that takes you back in time from the AWA, WCW, the NWA, WCCW, the territories, Mid-Atlantic, Jim Crockett, you name it, we cover it. 1985, yeah, and 1986, Momentum Macho Madness. I'm talking about the rest of the 80s leading into the 90s, yeah. And then I'm talking about going all the way into the year 2000 and all the way into the Twilight Zone, yeah. From famous feuds, Superstar Spotlight, as well as the popular Music Behind Wrestling series, as we cover the soundtrack of sports entertainment. Man, wow, man, freak out! Brand new shows are streamed live every Saturday night and archived the following Monday at SNSRadioNetwork.com and RingAnnouncing.com. Man, I think that your time is done. I'll say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. 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 Mr. Savage, before you leave, one more question. One more question. Sean Beckerman signing off, and I'll see you each and every week on Beyond the Bell on the SNS Radio Network. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the look that drives a cool while I've got the mood that really moves. I said chill, up and down their spine, I'm just a sexy boy, I'm not your boy toy. This is Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, Mr. Hall of Fame, 2011, and you are listening on SNS Radio Network. See ya, and I wouldn't want to be ya. Then he's getting weak, whenever I'm around, they see me walk, they hear me talk. I make them feel like they're all cloud nine. Just a sexy boy. Carlos Colon, Lita, and the Ultimate Warrior. Three great legends in this business and deserving of entering the WWE Hall of Fame. I, for one, am excited to hear the Ultimate Warrior's induction speech. That alone is going to be, wait for it, legendary. Don't forget, parts two and three will be recorded live on site from WrestleMania weekend and presented to you throughout the remainder of this week into next week during WrestleMania hangover. I thought we have so much content for you over the past few days into the weekend that to cheer us up after WrestleMania is over, we'll still cover the Hall of Fame as we take an in-depth look at the careers of all these great legends being inducted. 
Jake the Snake Roberts, Mr. T, Paul Bearer, and Razor Ramon will be featured in parts two and three of this great 2014 Hall of Fame series. Of this great 2014 Hall of Fame series. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Sean Beckerman and Beyond the Bell at BTBCast. Send questions or comments at BTBCast at ringannouncing.com. All shows will be streamed live at SNSRadioNetwork.com as well as archived at ringannouncing.com. So fans, until tomorrow when we continue on with more WrestleMania coverage, this is your personal ring announcer, Sean Beckerman, signing off. Beckermania is running wild in New Orleans as I'm headed off to the 2014 Hall of Fame. We'll see you tomorrow on Beyond the Bell. And don't worry, tonight I will be staying old school, my friends. Be believers, be leaders, be astronauts, be champions, be truth seekers, be students, be teachers, be politicians, be preachers, be preachers, be believers, be leaders, be astronauts, be champions.